This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. All right, are you ready for SGC? Well, as you can see, I've got the merchandise on, and let me tell you, this is comfortable. So all of those that are in the house, you may want to get one. And uh, if you didn't notice, I don't know if the camera, you won't be able to see it in here in the auditorium, but 1 John 2.6, 1 John 2.6, that's our theme for our SGC, and we're going to talk about that uh, today. And I'm so excited that you are a part of this SGC. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's going to be exciting, it's going to be good. We're talking about being established, being transformed, and I know that God is going to use it. As Pastor Sean shared, we're going to enter into a deeper time of worship at the end of the message. So do me a favor is when I get ready to say amen, please don't let 40 of you stand up and walk out. That just kills a preacher when you do that. So will you do that for me? Will you... Will you hang with me today? If someone starts to stand up, grab them, bring them back down, you know, for me. And no, seriously, we're going to go into a deeper time of worship. But I wanted to jump into the word and and just prepare our heart for what we're going to worship on and just get us ready for these next six weeks. Lord, as we get ready to open your word, I pray, Lord, that you will just illuminate your word to us. I pray that you'll teach us, grow us, enable us to be established in you. God, we would develop a new way of thinking, a new way of living. Father, we would be established in your ways so that we could walk in your will. The greatest desire that we have is to honor you, to bring glory to your name. Father, to to know that you're pleased with who we are in you. Father, I pray that you would enable us to be established the way you desire for us to be established. In your wonderful name we pray, amen and amen. As we get started, I want to just kind of open up with this illustration and uh, just kind of use it throughout the message as well today. As you see up here, we got this beautiful, beautiful plant and you can see the, the life that's there, the beauty that's in it. And really, that's our heart's plans and desires, is that you and I would grow to be what God wants us to be, that that we would be blossoming, and that we would be growing and developing in Him, and and that the fruit of our lives would be evident, and all all that look and see, that that walk among us and live among us would see the really the fruit and the beauty of our lives, that we would grow and blossom and that we would become all that God wants us to be. Can I just get an amen in the house? That that is our desire. And over the next six weeks, we're praying that everything that we're going to be sharing with you and teaching you and walking you through, that it's going to help you to develop and to grow to be what God wants you to be. You see, your spiritual life doesn't have to be up and down, but that you you can be blossoming and growing and I really believe, we every year, Pastor Candy said it this morning to me, I, we have phenomenal uh, spiritual growth campaigns. Every year our team writes them, and it just seems like they get better and better and better. And then I look at an old one, and I'm like, oh, that's good. Can we do that one again? Because they just so enriching to our lives. But can I tell you, this year, I've been saying it over and over again, that if you will walk through this spiritual growth campaign with us, if you will get the book and you will get 
the journal that comes with it in this kit. I'm telling you, if we walk through this, if we walk through this together, it will transform your life, my life, our life as a church. I've been telling people, if we really go through these two books, if we one's really a journal and one's really our daily devotion for the next 40 days, we're going to read a few pages together. The journal kind of tells us what to, what to read, where to read, gives us some pages to journal it out. And, and so they kind of go together. But if we walk through this, I've been telling uh, folks that if we really go through that, our church is going to be changed. We're going to be changed. There's no doubt. It's not hype. It's not just trying to sell you something. I'm telling you, if we walk through this together, it will change our lives, your family, our church, and I believe our city as we become greater light for him. We will blossom to be what God wants us to be. But the reality is, this is where many of us right now is we're a pot of soil. And it's, it's good soil here. And it's, it's soil that needs seed to be planted in. And if we will take the seed and, uh, let me see, where's my seed? Uh, well, that's going to be a problem. I have no seed, but they're going to get me seed. Did I drop my seed? Do you see my seed anywhere? Maybe it's hidden in this tree. I'm stalling, waiting for my seeds. Woo, give them a hand. They're back there dying. Pastor's illustration just died. You know, if, if we realize that right now this soil, this soil is nothing. Nothing's going to grow but weeds in there if you leave it. But through the next several weeks, you're going to be planting seed. Now, seed, we know, is the word of God. Seed and good seed, when it falls in good soil, begins to bear a fruitful harvest in our life. And as you begin over the next several weeks to plant good seed, say good seed. Now, what I'm telling you is we walk through this spiritual growth campaign that over the next several weeks, you're going to be planting good seed. Say it again, good seed. And that good seed will take root. There's no lot, no, no, there's no, uh, doubt in my mind that as you're planting the seed, it's going to take root and, and it's going to begin to become what God wants it to be. But the problem is the seed alone in the soil right here left will not grow by itself. It's got to be nurtured. It's got to be watered. Say watered. It's got to be nurtured and watered. The other day, I saw a plant that my dad gave me. It was actually, I think it's an avocado plant. He gave me it two years ago, and um, I left it in the pots. But it's still alive, but it's in the pot. I've done nothing to nurture it. Now, it's outside, so it's getting water, and it's getting sunlight. It's, it's got that kind of environment. But now, I've got like two trees, I've got one that's the avocado plant, and I don't know which one's which. And there's another one that I know is weed. It's a weed tree, right? I know that it's grown out of it, and, and I've done nothing to nurture it. I haven't taken time to plant it yet. If I did, I'd probably already be getting some avocados out of it. But, but I've done nothing. And the reality, if you don't set the environment and if you don't allow the environment to be a place where, where it's getting what it needs to begin to grow healthy and pull out weeds and, 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 and making sure it gets its water, that there is a, there's the nutrients that it's getting. When it has the proper environment and it's being taken care of, 
it begins to grow. But it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. Say intentionally. And so what we're going to do for the next six weeks is we're going to be intentional. And we've been intentional to lay out a a plan for you to water, for you to nurture, for you to look and see what needs to be pulled out, what weeds have grown within the soil of your own heart, in your own life, and what has to begin to be cultivated. Because here's the problem is many believers are not cultivating their walk with God. They're not really watering it. They're not really weeding and pulling out that which shouldn't be there. And they're not being what God really wants them to be. And so if we're intentional for the next six weeks, we're going to begin to water that and and it's going to begin to get into an environment that enables it to really begin to blossom and grow. Now, the environment that we're encouraging you for for the next six weeks is what we call a life group. Say life group. Now, life groups go hand in hand with our spiritual growth campaign. Every weekend service is vital, important. We're going to give you foundations, and we're going to show you things that that are going to help you to be established in Christ and have a new way of thinking. But it goes with the life group. The life group is where you practically talk about it. You, you, you look at how to apply it. You share examples and stories of how you are living it and how others are living it out. And, and it begins to encourage you and you encourage them. And those two things going together, I always say, are like two wings that enable uh, a bird to fly. It enables you to soar when you link the life group with the weekend service. Now, we have life groups for men and women and couples. We have young adult life groups. We even have youth life group. We have life groups that meet in person. We have life groups that meet many different nights of the week. We have many life groups that are meeting online. I mean, whatever you need, the type of group you desire, we have it for you. And it's not too late. Say, it's not too late. Nudge somebody next to you. It's not too late. We haven't started yet. Life groups haven't started Today, you can still be in a life group and get connected. So when you came in in person, you were giving a card as you came in. If you uh, are not in a life group, you've got this card, hopefully. Our ushers are going to walk up and down the aisle. If you didn't get a card and you're not in a life group, just lift your hand. They'll get you one of these cards. And what I want you to do, even as I'm sharing the rest of this message, is I want you to fill it out. I want you to let us know a little bit of what you desire, the type of group that you want. Now, when it says marital status, you know, if, if you're single, mark single. You know, if you're a, a, a male, mark male type of group. Now, this would be a problem if you're a male and you're single and you mark you want a women's group. That uh, We may not be able to help you there, but, but, but you get the idea. You mark this card, you fill it out. And then at the end of the service, we're going to give you a chance to pass it down. And we're going to get you connected this week. This week. Now, some of you may say, Pastor, last week I filled that card out. Two weeks ago, I filled that card out. I've not heard anything. Well, I'm just going to go out on the limb and say, if you've not heard anything and you're in person on the way out today, stop by the center of our lobby is the merchandise out there. Stop there. Say, I've not heard from anybody. We want to make sure you get connected. And that means something happened. And uh, maybe we got a wrong digit in your telephone number or your email. Something went wrong. We want to get you connected. Now, if you're online, they're going to throw up a link for you, and you're going to be able to uh, get signed up to a life group. If something's gone wrong, shoot us an email. Let us know something. We want to get you connected. Life groups start this week. Say this week. 
All right, so I want to take a couple minutes, just give you an overview of what we're talking about, and that's being established, being established and being what God wants you to be. I've shared with you the importance of weekend service and the life group and getting a kit. you got to get the kit and having an environment that God can begin to really grow you. And that's just the encouragement. Don't miss anything in the next six weeks. Don't miss it because I believe every week is going to build on the week that's following. So today, I want you to take out your outline. Your journal also has a little section there that you can journal on the sermon when it comes to the weekend service. And I want to talk about renovation of our hearts, being established in Christ, and putting on the character of Christ, and having a new way of living, and living like Christ did, really begins with a renovation of our hearts. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, those who become Christians become, what? New persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life, say old life, circle it. The old life is what? Is gone and circle it. There is a new life. And that new life is beginning. I love what Paul's saying is, your old life is gone. Man, the old way of living, the old desires, the old, the old passions, they begin to be transformed as I'm established in Christ. My old nature, the carnal man begins to be transformed when I come to Christ. Now, the moment I give my life to Christ and I make a decision, to be a Christ follower, is now a journey of walking out that commitment in obedience. And as I walk it out, I'm renewing the mind, and God is beginning to enable me to be established in Christ. Now, the problem is a lot of people come to Christ. They give their lives to Christ. They say, I'm going to be a Christ follower but then they don't start walking out what it means to live in Christ and walk in obedience to Christ. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to help you to begin to understand it, and this is why the kit is so, so important. You can buy it today on the way out. You can order it online because we're going to begin to help you to learn how to walk it out, how to think, how to act, how to believe like Jesus, becoming like Jesus. Now, I just simply today want to give you, if I can preach simply, (laughs) can I preach simply today? Someone said, Pastor, you're a deep preacher. (laughs) You're too deep. Can you take one point and make it a whole sermon? Well, I could, but I'm not going to. (laughs) So, how do I get established in Christ? And I really, man, if if I could get one sermon this whole year that just sinks in, it would be this sermon. Because this sermon will be what will keep you in the storms of life. It's this sermon, these principles that will use our theme, establish you so that no matter what comes at you, storms of life, crisis, turmoil, no matter what you face, you will be rooted and founded in Christ and you will bring glory to his name. So to be established in Christ, The first principle I leave you with, and this is what it really means, is that first of all, we're being established in our beliefs. There's a new way of thinking. The beliefs of our faith. 
a new way of thinking and a, and a new way of understanding and a, and a new way of understanding what Christ would have for you and I. See, it requires new thinking. When you come to Christ, there is an old life that's got to be transformed and the new life in Christ is the renewing of the mind. He begins to transform the way you feel, the way you act. Man, you begin to get a, a strength within you as you begin to understand who I am in Christ and the walk that God has for you. Now, I'm going to take several verses out of Ephesians. So you may want to turn over to the book of Ephesians, and I want to look from Paul's perspective at what this looks like, believers walking and living. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, as a Christ follower, when you give your life to Christ, you will live differently than those that are in the world. The problem with many believers today is they look no different than those that are in the world. Those that haven't committed their lives to Christ, they look no different. They look the same, and therefore there is a crisis, and people are not accepting and believing what we hold to be so true because they don't see the change in you and within me and within the church. And therefore Paul says to the church of Ephesus, when you're a Christ follower, things are different. Look here, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, he says, don't keep living as the ungodly do. Don't keep doing what unbelievers do, for they are hopelessly confused in their thinking. Can we just get a uh-huh? <laughs> Look around, watch television, watch the news. That is so true. He says they are hopelessly confused in their thinking. They have closed their minds and are full of darkness, underline it. Their minds are closed. They're far away from the life that God gives because they have shut their minds and have hardened their hearts against him. He goes on to say they don't care anymore about right and wrong. And they are in, indulged in the, and they've indulged themselves in all kinds of immorality, of evil thinking, and the constant desire for more. And if you look at that, he says, they are blinded. Their, their, their minds are, are shut off. That, that, that God is not the priority of their lives. They're callous within their heart. They're living sensuously. They're, they're going after more and more and more. Now, let me go back to what I said a minute ago. The problem is that the world, those that are unbelievers, don't always see the difference in the lives of believers. Believers are justifying and rationalizing and, and, and they're living the way they want and desire and they're pushing for more and more and desiring more and there's no boundaries or convictions within their heart. They've not really changed their beliefs. Oh, maybe they've heard preaching. Maybe they know a scripture. But the problem is, is they really haven't grabbed it so that it changes their life. Paul says it this way over in Romans, Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite verses in verse 2, do, oh, excuse me, do not conform. Don't conform to the values and opinions of this world. Instead, let God transform you 
transform you and, and make you and enable you to know what is right and what is true and how you think and how you act. So what are we talking about? Is being established in Christ means that I've got to begin to embrace new beliefs, a new way of thinking, so that I know how God would want me to live for him. Ephesians, going back, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23, he says they are... They, they, they must be spiritually renewed in their thoughts and their attitudes. That they've got to begin to be renewed. Now, spiritual growth campaign is meant to build some habits, to push ourselves spiritually, to, to pursue Him with, with a unity, to align everything within our church, the, the youth, the children, Young adults, the adult, the life group, our devotions, everything gets unified and we push ourselves so that we begin a process of renewing our thoughts and our attitudes. The contemporary English version says it like this, let the spirit change the way you think. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, this morning, God, change how I think. Change my, my, my attitudes, Lord. Help me to align to you. I don't want to just say it, but God, I want to do it. Help me, O oh Lord. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. He says, and I am sure that God who began a good work in you, that's the process of, of what God is going to do as you give your life to Christ. There's a new work that begins. He began the work in you and he will continue. Say continue, underline it. He will continue his work. That's the work of sanctification. That's a process of working out his will and purpose. He'll work it out until it's finally finished. When? When the day when Christ Jesus comes back again. So it's a work of sanctification. And can I tell you, it starts inside. God begins to work inside, and it's a transformational work that allows Him to begin to mold us and make us and enable us to be what He desires for us. Now, to do that, we've got to understand who God is, and we've got to understand the love of God and, and the mercy of God. Turn with me or look in your outlines over to Psalms chapter 139. In Psalm 139, I want to start here in the work that's happening inside because we've got to embrace in our beliefs, first of all, who is God? And what does God desire? And, and what is the purpose of God in our lives? And the psalmist says it this way in verse 13. He says about God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. See, I've got to remind myself that I am created by God. God created me. No matter how you were created, no matter what the circumstances were of, of, your, of, of, of your birth and, and your background and your family, you've got to remember that you are divinely designed by God and God loves you. He won't love you any more than He already loves you right now. And it starts there. I've got to believe that God created me. I've got to remind myself every now and then, I'm not the creator. He is the sovereign one, not me. Because if we're not careful, we become the God of our own universe. But God reminds us that he is the sovereign one. You created, you made me delicately. The inner parts of me, you made me. Verse 15, it picks up, you watched me. 
See, God sees you. He didn't create the world and just let it go. He wants to be involved. He wants to lovingly care with you and I. He wants to be a part of all that, that is happening in our lives. And therefore, we say, he wants a relationship with us. You watched me. And you formed me in my inner and utter seclusion. As, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, yes, you saw me before I was born. And every day of my life, was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, God is present and God knows. And therefore, we come to a point where we begin to realize that God, you are the creator. And therefore, I surrender and I yield to your lordship in my life. The problem is, is for many, they say, I'm a Christ follower. I surrender my life to you, but they don't really yield their will to the Lord. They want to be in control, and there's an inward rebellion that takes place. And in that inner rebellion, we find ourselves actually alienating the very one that we say that we love and we worship. And in that, we find ourselves being separated from him. Reminds me of a, a young boy in school. He was, he was a, he was a, you know, a rambunctious little one. And, and the teacher would say, sit down. And he would get threatened after threatened. If you don't sit down, I'm going to send you to the, the principal's, uh, to the principal's office. Finally, that young boy sits down, he folds his arms, and he says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up inside. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens, is we say, yes, Lord, but then inside, there's a rebellion. Inside, there's a, I'm going to do it my way. Inside, there's a, I know better. Or... If we're a little bit more theological than that, we just say, I can't, I, I can't win this battle. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not perfect. I can't, I can't, I can't. And before we know it, we begin to rationalize and justify. And Jesus came. When you begin to realize who he is and, and, and you begin to realize what he wants, you see, the followers of Christ thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government, that, that he, he was, he was immediately going to take control and he's going to do it through power. Jesus' kingdom, when he came, was totally different. You see, Jesus came and he said, it's not going to be that, that, that I'm going to rule the way you want me to rule and I'm not coming to rule over Rome. Jesus said, no, I'm coming to rule your heart. You see, making him Lord allows him to rule See, as God begins this work within us, it's a renovation of the heart. Being established in Christ starts within our hearts. It's a divine revolution. It's, it's a renovation within our hearts that begins to take place. Now, I would suggest to all of us, regardless of how long you've walked with God, that this is a renovation that we all need to go through. For some of you, it may be the very first time that you're laying some foundation. For others, it's that word, renovation. When something has gotten old, you renovate it. 
You renovate your bathroom. You have to renovate the pipes. You have to put in new plumbing, new electrical. If you've ever gone through renovation, it's difficult. If you've ever gone through renovation, there's a struggle. First of all, you may like the way things are. You may not want to change what it looks like, and it's messy. Dust is everywhere. Things are going to be tough. It gets expensive. There's a sacrifice that has to be made. And what I would propose to you and I is as we walk through this spiritual growth campaign, there is a renovation that's got to take place. There is something that God wants to do. Am I saying that things are not right? Am I, am I saying that, that you're not established the way you need to be? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's time for renovation. See, many of you have been following Christ for many, many years. But we need a renovation. We need a fresh look. We need to make a fresh commitment. There needs to be a fresh yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's called spiritual formation, and it's maturing in Christ. Now, I will be the first to tell you that I've got to have the will to do it, And that will is a commitment that I say, yes, Lord, I'm going to walk through the spiritual growth campaign. I'm going to do the daily devotion. I'm going to walk through that journal. I'm going to make a commitment to get into a life group. I'm making a commitment to do it. And there is a, there is a mental commitment that I make. But can I tell you the renovation of the heart is a work of the spirit. There's my part. I told you last week. And then there's God's part. God can't get to his part. If you don't make a commitment on your part, and your apartment is a simple yes, Lord, and then you follow through with your yes. I think God's tired of a lot of yeses because nobody follows through with them. But if you say yes, Lord, and you walk that out and you begin to, all of a sudden God begins to do his part. And his part is beginning to allow the Spirit to work within you, to fill you, to lead you, to indwell you, to begin to show you. It's a, it's a work of conviction and a work of, of gently beginning to yield to us and show us, this is what I desire for you. Now, that's God's part. When you say, yes, Lord, and there's a devotion to it, the work of God begins inside. It begins inside, and that inward work will begin to come outward. Can I hear an amen? I am convinced, convinced, convinced that if you'll walk through this spiritual growth campaign with us, there will be a renovation of the heart, a renovation of our church, a renovation of the mission and purpose of God, I believe it will impact your family. Some of the things that you're hoping for, I believe are going to come out of this spiritual growth campaign. So to be established in Christ, first of all, requires new beliefs. I've been touching on the second one, but let me make it a point, and that is to be established means that I've got to act on the truth. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm a doer. My beliefs begin to impact my behavior. That there are practices. If we call ourselves Christ followers, there are certain practices that we must live out. If we're truly walking in obedience as a follower of Christ, then the seed that's getting planted has got to be nurtured. It's got to be watered. 
It's got to be that can take root and begin to produce the harvest that God desires in our life. I like what Augustine said. Augustine said that the confession of bad works is the beginning of God works. When I begin to confess, when I begin to receive, when I begin to apply and cultivate, God can begin to do what he wants to do. Let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 22, we read it. So get rid of your old self, underline it. Get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to live. The old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. See, when you begin to act on the truth, it begins to transform you. When you begin to live obediently, it begins to change your attitude. It begins to give you new hope. It gives you new vision. It gives you new purpose because you're acting on what you've received. Why is this a problem for many believers in their spiritual life and they're up and down is they hear the word week after week after week, but they don't act upon it. They don't live it out. And this is where our spiritual practices begin to merge with Discipline and intentionality. And when they merge and they intersect, the spirit begins the work. What's happening inside, now it begins to come outside because as you're planting the seed, the seed begins to blossom. That's why Proverbs would say, guard your heart above all else. Why? It will determine the course of your life. By the way, how did you do last week on seven days, no complaining. How did you do last week? Terrible. I was at the baptism for a few minutes yesterday, and one of our one of our uh, leaders there said, "Pastor, I blew it on the way home." <laughs> now I was really, really proud of one of our staff members. I walked into her uh, her office this week. I'm going to call her out, Erica. Uh, Chin Loy, I don't know if Erica's in the room or in the back, but uh, Erica, if you're here, stand up, wave at me. I am so proud of Erica. I walked into her office, and on her whiteboard, she had seven days, no complaining. Seven days, no complaining. And then she had Monday, Tuesday, all the way right to Sunday. And, and I think I walked in on Wednesday, and it had Monday, check mark, success. Tuesday, check mark. She wrote success. Wednesday was still empty. I said, it's not over yet, huh? <laughs> I'm going to be a success. And she, you know, I was so proud that she was doing it. Now, that's what I'm talking about. Seven days, no complaining. I was meeting with Pastor Nadine on Wednesday, and uh, we were sitting together. We were talking about some stuff, and, and she said, did they not hear the sermon? Seven days, no complaining. <laughs> no, they didn't hear the sermon, you know. What happens is we hear it, but we don't do it. The greatest thing that I could do for you, and really it's a style of my preaching. Every preacher has a different style. But the greatest thing that I can do is help you put your faith in action. Help you put wheels to your faith. And therefore, my preaching is what's called a life applicational preaching. I want to take the word, and I want you to know how to live it. 
Can I give you Greek? Sure, I can give you Greek. Can I give you the Hebrew? Yes, I can give you the Hebrew. Do I know the historical context? Yes, I know it. I could probably bring it out as soon as you mentioned it. I've studied it for years and years and years and have all these degrees that supposedly make me smart. But if I don't live it, and quite honestly, if I don't help you to live it, it doesn't matter if you know how to say keros. I mean, you could say baloney for that matter. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to live it. And so what do I do? And, and I know, and man, you are patient, you're loving, you guys are kind, because week after week after week, I talk about how to live it. And that's not easy. Oh, it's much easier to just talk about the end times, talk about the seven horses and the seals, and, and, and have no application to it. That's easy preaching. But when I begin to talk to you, how do you apply it? How do you live it? How does it live itself out in your family and during the week? And when I say, seven-day challenge, go through seven days, no complaining. Man, Lord, help me take that to heart as I preach it and as you receive it. Amen? By the way, you want to give yourselves another seven-day challenge? All right, family. Say it, family. Say it louder, family. Seven-day challenge, seven-day challenge. Go seven more days, no complaining. Now, I'm going to add something to it. If you get around somebody that starts to complain and they're a part of your family, our family, CLC family, say it again, family. Turn to someone and say, we're family. If somebody in the family starts complaining, just call them out, huh? Paul says it to young Timothy this way. You should know this. Living translation. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Okay. Paul's telling us it's going to be difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Goes on to say, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They'll be puffed up again with pride, he says, and love pleasure more than God. They will act religious Oh, boy. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Why? Is they're going to contaminate you. You see, you and I act on what we believe. 
Now, there's one practice that has been found to be the number one practice to catalyze your spiritual growth, and that is what was called Bible engagement. If you will engage in the Word of God, if you will allow God to communicate to you through His Word, it is the one thing that will mature you better than anything else. Great preaching and teaching, books, all of that is great, but the Word of God is the number one priority. So for the next 40 days, we want to build a habit of getting into the Word, allowing God to teach you and to grow you. What I love about God's Word, by the way, is, man, it's so refreshing. When I get into the Word, it's refreshing. Even, as Paul says, I I, I get into the Word, and it it becomes like a mirror, you know, and and I begin to see things, but I love it. I don't know about you, but I I just love it. Even when it becomes like fire, where the Holy Spirit is wanting to burn something out of me, I still love it. Anybody agree? I mean, even when it's like a hammer that's chiseling something out of me, I love it. I love it. I love it when Pastor Nadine's preaching, and it's just like, oh, conviction's falling all over me. I love it. Kevin's preaching, and and I'm feeling this unction to move. I love it. Challenging, yes. I love it. The Word of God changes, and it reforms us, and it just does a work within us. So the second principle to being established is that we act on the truth. The third, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back as I wrap up. The third is that we develop, and this is where we're going to spend a lot of time in the next couple weeks, We develop the character of Christ. As seed begins to grow, we're maturing now in Christ. God's number one desire in your life and in my life is to make us more like Christ. What God desires is that we're a reflection of Christ. And by the way, that can be seen very much like physical maturity. There's spiritual maturity. When there's infants in the Lord, you can see spiritual immaturity. You can see what that looks like. As, a, as, as one begins to grow into being a toddler and being a, a, a teenager and a young adult, then a, a mature adult or a parent in their life, just as we see the progression physically, spiritually you can see the same progression in people's lives. The problem is many get stuck in that childhood stage of their faith, and they don't move on in their spiritual maturity. You see, the goal is not to be more religious. It's to become more like Christ. Don't confuse religion and biblical knowledge with a renovation and a transformation of the heart. That's why our theme scripture, 1 John 2, 6 is whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. There's a fruit that comes from your life. The Bible calls it virtues in your life where you're becoming more like Christ. There is fruit and that fruit is external. It can be seen, it can be tasted, it can be touched. If it's delicious fruit off the branches of our life, the evidence will be there. And by the way, good fruit comes because there's health that's inside. So I yield to him. In fact, in Galatians 5, it says, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, 
goes back to being Lord of our lives. When I yield and surrender to Him, when He's controlling my life, He will produce the kind of fruits that He desires in us. And it shows us what kind of fruit. There will be love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, fullness, gentleness, and self-control. Lordship is seen in my practice. Am I more loving? Is there humility? Do I cast my cares on Him? Am I patient? Am I living with goodness in my life? Am I living with self-control? I mean, it's something that can be seen, and it's a process in my life. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at that. And lastly, worship team, come back out. Lastly, I would say that honestly, to be established in Christ requires honest community. You need people in your life because we stimulate one another. There's an authentic love that begins to grow. And when we do, we become what God wants us to be. So over the next few weeks, make a commitment with me. The commitment is, first of all, you need to join a life group. If you're in the building today, you can take a card. Ushers will be walking around and you can fill out the card and we'll get it from you at the very end. You can pick up your kit on the way out. You need the book. You need the kit. You need the journal. You can get that as you leave today. You can find out when that life group's meeting and when that life group begins this week, you get connected to it right away. Don't miss one week of the weekend or the life group. And in all of that, I believe that you're going to become what God has planned and purposed for your life. That God is going to blossom you and develop you and grow you and enable you to give him all the glory. Amen? That's our commitment for the next several days. Stand with me across this room. What I desire in our worship time now is I just desire us to go into the inner courts. I desire us to see that, that we're going to be established. Let there be something that flows from you that says, God, I'm going to be established in you, in your will, in your purpose. I'm going to be established in you. Maybe in this time of worship, there's commitments and, and, and God, I want to go deeper in you. I want to be stronger in you. I want the work of the Spirit to do a work within me. God, I don't want to just hear it. I don't want to just read about it. I want to begin to live it in my life. Give me the willpower to do what you desire. As I surrender to you, oh God, I want you to do a work. That's what I want us to do as our worship flows, as I want a fresh new commitment to rise up to the Lord. Say, God, help me to put on those garments of righteousness, the character of Christ. Let that fruit begin to develop in me. Father, as we begin just to spend a few moments in the closing part of our service, as we spend time in worship, I pray, God, that it will just reinforce the commitment that's before us. And that, God, over the next six weeks, for the next 40 days, tomorrow starts the devotions, for the next 40 days, I pray for a work of transformation. And God, we would be established in you. We become more like you. The beliefs, the actions, the character would all reflect you. 
God, be glorified through this series. Be glorified in our spiritual growth campaign. In each heart, let there be a renovation of the hearts. A renovation of the family. Let there be a renovation. So, Father, as we get ready to embark on this journey, let there be a commitment that's being made right here. We give you glory in your name. Amen and amen. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.